Hello, and welcome to the e-commerce field podcast, a show dedicated to helping seven-figure e-commerce entrepreneurs build incredible businesses and just as importantly, amazing, remarkable lives. I'm your host, Andrew Udarian. Thanks so much for joining me today. And today, even though we're not right at the end of 2018, I wanted to front run the whole host of different people making 2019 predictions. If I did this episode, you know, if we did this episode two weeks from now, ah, we'd just be one of a C. But if we do it, you know, just a couple weeks in December before Christmas is even over, you actually might, we might actually get a listen <laughs> after, you know, as opposed to having to fight with the seventh episode. So hopefully we won't get this all the way up to October. Anyway, 2019 predictions coming to you from myself and from Bill D'Alessandro. Not only predictions for 2019, but we go back to our predictions from 2018 to review them and see, you know, see how we did, see if we have any skill at this whatsoever or if we, we should not be trusted at all. I would bet more heavily on the latter, but we'll see. So anyway, hope it's fun. It's always fun to do these predictions and follow up from last time. So that's what I've got in store for you today. But quickly before I jump in with my partner in crime, Bill, I want to thank our two sponsors who make this show possible. First, to the team at Liquid Web who has put together an incredibly cool platform if you're a WooCommerce store owner. They have rolled out this last year a platform that gives you the best of both worlds. All the customization that you know and love from WooCommerce, which is probably why you're on that platform, paired with all of the tech headaches taken care of for you. Scalability, they've solved that. If you get a bunch of traffic, it automatically scales up. You don't have to worry about load balancers or all that stuff. Security automatically does updates for WooCommerce, for WordPress, and they've even optimized their servers to make WooCommerce just, just scream in terms of site speed. So if you're serious about e-commerce and you're on WooCommerce, you want to check them out and you can get started as low as 39 bucks a month. You can learn more about their offering at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Liquid Web. And then secondly, a big, big thank you to the team at Clavio, longtime sponsor of e-commerce fuel events and the podcast, and just a great company all around. And if you're not familiar with them, their superpower is the ability to let you automate your email flows in highly customized, highly targeted manners. So somebody buys something, you can follow up with an upsell exactly based on that product. Somebody hasn't bought something in three months, but they're a VIP customer and they normally do, you can create a sub-segment of that and then fire off those emails automatically. It allows you to spend a lot of time upfront building out your campaigns and just let them work on autopilot behind the scenes, almost like you know a director of email marketing that you don't have to pay a massive salary to. So you can get started for free and test drive them at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Clavio. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our predictions for 2019 and looking back on 2018 and seeing which ones we got right and which ones made us look like fools. Mr. D'Alessandro, welcome to the show. So are you ready to make ourselves look like fools as we review our predictions from yeah. months ago? <laughs> I'm afraid this one might be a little ugly, but I'll don't, not going to stop me from making bold predictions this year though. Yeah, I'm excited to see if this tempers us a little bit for the predictions we make or if we just, you know, pretty much just kind of swing for the fences again. It'll be fun to see. Well, let's, let's, we got a lot to cover here between, you know, kind of looking at what we said last year and looking ahead to 2019. So I'm just going to kick us off with you. Why don't we start with kind of going over your, your predictions and I'll let you, if you want to read yours, if you've got them there, kind of go through one and we'll alternate, but you can go through the first one and then give your thoughts on how it panned out. Yeah. So my first prediction last year was that Kroger would seek bankruptcy protection in 2018 and that Target would be acquired. 
I was very nearly right on this one because there were rumors that Kroger was buying Target <laughs> or like a few months ago. And I, I was really excited because I remembered I had predicted this. I have not seen anything actually come of it, but this is a this is a prediction that I would stick with for next year. Um, but I'm not going to not allowed to do that. I don't think. I was told you started those rumors. That's what I heard <laughs> from some people to to like save face. Is that, is that false? They is that were not true? they were on CNBC, so I'm not going to comment on how they got there. But <laughs> I saw the sponsored ads in my Facebook feed. You know, spreading these rumors. When I tracked down the account, it was an Elements Brands yep. company. Do you know? Anything I don't about know. That? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. I mean, that, that's. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's tough. I, I, I see where you're coming with that one, and especially on potentially the target acquisition. But yeah, bummer, those got, those got missed. So my pr- first prediction from last year was that 2018 is going to be the year where sellers are going to really start seeing some disruption and some issues from Chinese sellers coming in, especially on Amazon in terms of pricing and in terms of quality control. And one thing it was it's funny about reviewing these resolutions and something I tried to do this year was make them much more discreet and measurable because this is, you know, a lot of a lot of mine sadly were were kind of a little squishy. But I'd say it'd be interesting to hear your take. I would say that to some degree this definitely happened. I feel like this year I heard more more talk about Chinese sellers ripping stuff off, the number of, of Chinese sellers really starting to to impact people on Amazon. So I'll give it, you know, kind of a, a medium accuracy, but what do you think about this? I think it's again, it's hard to measure relative, but I think it's definitely become more of a problem in 2018 than it was in 2017. If you just look at almost any Amazon search engine result page, there's a lot of Chinese crap on there. And I can't remember when Wish was founded, but that's a company that's built entirely on selling Chinese crap and they've been having a hell of a year. So <laughs> that's, that's our tagline, isn't it? We sell Chinese crap. Pretty much. They sort of logo. Pretty much. So I, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think this is wrong. It's, I, it's hard to point at a specific event that made it right also. Yeah. More of a macro trend. Again, get more specific this year with mine as a lesson. So although you could say that 2018 was the year of Trump putting tariffs on China, which perhaps was in response to this type of issue. That's true. That's true. I, and I would take that. But but the only thing is Trump's been, I mean, that's been his his MO and, and kind of part of his his platform for years, though, you know. So yeah, but you're right. Partial credit. Partial credit. Partial credit. I'll take a five out of 10 on that one. Bill, what was your second one that you predicted for 2018? My second one was that Amazon FBA items will be made available on the shelves at Whole Foods Market. And that did not happen this year, but I, I was predicting that Amazon would simply offer sellers the option to, say, move 50 units of a particular ASIN out of your FBA inventory and onto the shelves at Whole Foods Market. Because why, you know, if it's going to be on a shelf anyway, why not put it on a shelf that some people walk by? They might be able to buy it. This did not happen for FBA sellers, although Amazon is, has a, they're selling all of their Echo and Alexa products. At Whole Foods, and then also they've pulled a ton of the Whole Foods inventory onto Amazon.com. Now they're doing delivery. At least here in Charlotte, you can get Whole Foods delivery as long as you order thirty-five bucks of stuff. It's delivered free within a couple hours if you're a Prime member. So it's starting to happen. I I think I may just be early on this one rather than wrong. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll revisit that one. Is it a rule, Bill? Did we, I don't know if we made a rule. You can you can re-up your predictions for 2019, just push them forward a year, can't you? Is that fair? So if if fair, this is the one that I want to re-up on, that FBI items come to Whole Foods shelves. 
My second prediction last December was, I think, you know, verbatim, I think I said, I think the internet sales tax issue is going to come to a head with momentum behind it in some kind of proposed legal resolution, either from Amazon side or something introduced in Congress. And actually missed, I think I got the, the broader thing, it wasn't Amazon or Congress, but the Supreme Court, you know, coming down, making a pretty definitive line in the sand there in terms of it being legal with the big case they had in June. So not 100% on it, but I'm going to give it, you know, eight out of 10 for that. Yeah, I think that counts. And I also think you could even re-up on this one again for 2019 as far as some sort of resolving legislation. Because while the Wayfair case essentially opened the can of worms, which had not even been opened yet, I think someone needs to put everything back in the can in 2019 with some sort of congressional legislation that harmonizes nationally. You do read the outlines they send over to you ahead of time. I do not, no. Oh. <laughs> no, I do. I do. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I've got, that's one of my, and that's probably, that's probably one of your, because I haven't seen yours yet. That will definitely be one in, in my 2019 predictions. Bill, what's your third one that you had last year? So I predicted that Amazon would acquire, acquire a large and high profile consumer products brand, probably in the fashion space, something like Burberry or Kate Spade, something with broad appeal, something that would be a brand that was exclusive to Amazon that people had to come to Amazon to get. I was pretty wrong on this one. I think it's become clear in 2018 that Amazon much prefers to essentially defeat brands and focus on reviews rather than the power of the brand. And they've done that. Their new Amazon exclusive program is basically inviting sellers to become, to turn their brand into a Amazon private label brand. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen how that's structured, but the whole new Amazon's exclu exclusives program is become one of our brands. And they will put, if you sign up for the new Amazon exclusives, they will give you the same preferential treatment where they're giving their own private label brands or similar, which is pretty crazy that you could have a third party company that was, I guess, exclusive to Amazon. Yes, but is treated like a private label brand on Amazon. That's interesting. Never thought about Amazon exclusives as kind of an Amazon private label, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're kind of smushing those together. So customers won't be able to tell what is an Amazon owned private label and what is an Amazon exclusive third party company, which is an interesting thing. But I think I was pretty wrong here because Amazon seems to have gone kind of anti-brand in that way. Although they did buy PillPack and they've, so I think they've just been pushing more into kind of pharmacy and grocery. And I think the big blockbuster private brand is maybe not going to happen or for another day. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't one of the arguments on the PillPack acquisition that they, you know, they bought that and it gave them instant licenses in 50 states for pharmaceuticals, which just kind of was able to expedite their ability to get into those markets as opposed to the brand for it? Yes. I don't think it's about the PillPack brand at all. I, I think they're, it's just proof that they're going more down the staples and grocery and, you know, medicines route rather than something like a Kate Spade or a Burberry. Yeah, totally makes sense. So my third prediction last year was... I said, I think we're going to see some kind of legislation gaining support that's introduced or at least gets a growing kind of support behind it against big tech in terms of antitrust. I don't know if it's going to be Amazon or Facebook or Google, but I think it'll be one of those three. So there wasn't any legislation, but I mean, we all remember the Facebook debacle that came in in March or April with all the privacy concerns and, and the election issues and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, definitely hearings in Congress, things like that. I don't think there was any legislation that actually you know, had any legs to it. So I'll give myself partial credit for this. It was, it was, it was, a, it was in the media for a while. 
Yep. Very, very correct in spirit, though technically incorrect. Yeah, exactly. Bill, your fourth one. Was that I predicted that Amazon sellers would no longer be able to email their buyers at all by the end of 2018. This has not happened as far as full shutdown, but in 2018, it has gotten a lot tighter as far as what you're allowed to send, how many times you're allowed to send. I think we're down to one post-purchase email now, and you can't link to product pages. And what else can't you do? They just came out with a few weeks ago, a whole bunch more restrictions on what you can and can't do in emails to buyers. So I think this is, it's going this way, but not full cutoff yet. Yeah. I, th- I, I think you get, you know, most partial, if not most credit for this. Yeah. It's just a matter of time until they probably do that as well. Yep. I think so. Yeah. And my last prediction was, I think we're, we're going to start seeing savvy store owners in the U S really start to look abroad for their growth opportunities, as opposed to expanding in different channels or different avenues in, in the, you know, domestically looking at, at international markets as, as the primary place to expand their sales. Once they, you know, hit that seven figure mark. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to say no on this one. I mean, I, th- I think people are still doing that, but international trade has not been a real bright point in 2018. And it's just not something, again, this is probably too ambiguous of a prediction, as I mentioned before, but I don't think just in anecdotally, I haven't heard about a ton of merchants really focusing on the international channel. So I'm going to give myself, I'm not going to give myself credit for this one. Yeah. I don't feel like international is any hotter now than it was a year ago. Yeah. I don't think so either. Bill, why don't you run it out for us with your last prediction last year? So my last, this was my blockbuster (laughs) prediction, which you're just going to give me crap for forever. But I predicted that by the end of 2018, assuming the Republicans passed the tax reform bill as it was currently posed in late 2017, that the stock market will nearly double by the end of 2018. So that would have been a, I went back and looked, that would have been a projection from 24,000 at the Dow to 48,000. We are going to need a mean late year rally here for you to hit that buddy. Yep. It's not over yet, but I think uh, <laughs> it, it might be in effect over because I think the Dow is what in the high twenties right now or roughly, roughly even on the year. Although the back half of 2017 was quite strong and I didn't make that prediction in November, but it's been 2018 has been pretty flat for the stock market. I was feeling good during the summer, but the last few months have not been good to my projection. Yeah, it's that's not, well. To be fair, that's a bold prediction that you you made, and I know I like it. And it's very you know you're also putting yourself out there more. That's way easier to get shot down on than as opposed to my super weak one at the end, thinking I think savvy store owners might maybe perhaps think about international sales more seriously. So kudos to you for for making the bold prediction. Yeah. Well, you have me on to make good make good radio, right? So I'm trying <laughs> exactly. So that's looking backwards. Let's get into kind of predictions looking forward for 2000. 2019. I'll kick it off for us here. I predict, I think Shopify in 2019 is going to sell or close down Oberlo. And if you're not familiar with Oberlo, that is the company they bought uh, that allows people to tap into AliExpress and be able to really spin up drop shipping companies. And I think, I think the reason I think they'll do one of those two is is twofold on my reasoning. One, I never. I thought this was such an odd purchase for Shopify. It doesn't really jive with their brand. I mean, they, their brand is is you know enabling merchants, you know, kind of art not artisan, but but quality commerce and so much of that stuff that sold is just junk off of Oberlo. But the bigger reason I think that, that, that potentially might push the hand on this is is Trump is looking like he is going to ban ePacket, which mo- you know almost all of those stores 
really depended on to be able to build those out and get stuff to customers. So that's my thought process behind that. Yep. I don't think that's crazy. And I, I wonder, so I just looked it up while you're talking, Oberlo got bought for 15 million by Shopify. And I wonder, cause I completely agree. It's not in the Shopify ethos, but I wonder if they just bought them for the leads. I wonder if there was just Oberlo had access to so many people who could be Shopify customers and they thought, look at all these really good leads. You know, we can, they, when did Shopify go public around that time? I don't know. That's a good question. It's been, I feel like it's been a couple of years or at least 18 months. Yeah. I wonder if this was perhaps, you know, we're recently public or about to go public. We want to show, need to keep showing some growth. Maybe we'll get a bunch of leads in the door you know, for, and, and a team, you know, 15 million is not a lot of money. So that's, that's aqua hire range plus leads. Yeah. The only thing is though, they, when they got it, they, they started hitting the paid ads. Maybe I visited their site and somehow got into some kind of Facebook funnel that most people weren't, but man, I saw a lot of leads and ads for not a crazy amount, but enough to notice for overload. So you'd think like if it was primarily for the leads, there's a decent, decent amount of paid going on the inbound side as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I agree. That's not, that's a pretty solid projection. Yeah. We'll see. Bill, what do you got for your first one? Yeah. So my first one, and this is partially been telegraphed already, but I project that in 2019, Trump will repeal e-packet or back out of the, the, the universal postal union and that treaty, which means that e-packet will no longer be an option come from China. And then this is a double prediction. If that happens, wish is screwed <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> as we talked about earlier. So I think wish will hang it up within kind of three to six months of that happening. And I would possibly even before because the writing's on the wall. So they're not going to be able to raise any more money at this point. So if they're not profitable, uh, I think their runway is limited. Yeah. What I mean, would you would you guess that, you know, 80 plus percent of all the stuff that they have comes, it's totally dependent on ePacket, kind of like Oberlo? Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of fascinating. I don't know if you've ever been on the Wish app, but it made everything is like $2 in free shipping. And it's like, you know, tactical flashlights and you know, all that stuff, all the stuff that's on overload <laughs> pretty much. It's like wish is like a front end for all for Alibaba and, and ePacket. That's crazy. Wow. Interesting. We didn't plan these either. And both of us come out of the gates hard with the AliExpress model coming from China. Cool. So my second prediction for 2019 is that direct mail marketing will see a major resurgence. And, you know, another, another theme I'll get to, another prediction that'll tie off of the same theme is I'm seeing, I don't know if you're seeing this bill, but I'm seeing from kind of the early results from the state of the merchant that, I, that I've put out there from just talking to people. It's getting CPAs, advertising costs are getting so expensive. And, you know, to the point where you have to really be on your game just to make it pencil out. And, you know, a lot of that little low hanging fruit is gone. And so direct mail seems to have worked really well. Uh, it seems like it's something that's forgotten by a lot of people. And we did a, you know, I've done an episode with, with uh, McGregor on the, on the show that we'll link up to about this. And I'm hearing more and more people talk about this. Drew Sanaki just bought a SaaS app based on direct mail. And, and I feel like that could be one of the next channels that the people go after given how crowded things are. So I, I would be, that's my prediction for 2019. We see a lot more talk about direct mail and more people start to leverage it. Yep. I mean, and we've tried it some at Elements Brands and had decent results. I don't want to say that they're in line with our our digital marketing efforts, but I think we could do a lot better. And I, I didn't realize you were predicting with insider information, by the way, with early returns from the state of the merchant survey. <laughs> <laughs> not, not fair. I'm predicting. Well, here. well, but, 
Bill, I don't have a major retailer anymore. You have uh, what? You've got six or seven brands now that you can look at. You know, live live CPA results. I gotta I gotta depend on you know aggregate results from the community. So from hundreds or thousands more. So <laughs> right, you've one up to me. But I agree. I think that's I think that's a good a good prediction, and and perhaps even in just broader alternative means of customer acquisition that are not Facebook are going to have to get a lot bigger because you're right, CPAs are out of control. I answered on there that our CPAs are are higher than they have been too. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Bill, what do you got for your second one? So for this one, is this is a big one. This, this is my bold one for this year. Walmart buys Shopify. Really? Yep. And Ooh. here's why. Here's why. Because if you look at what Andy Dunn of Bonobos has been doing, and Mark Larray has been doing as kind of head of Walmart.com, they have been rolling up these digitally native vertical brands, to use a buzzword. They've been rolling up all these brands with loyal followings, and Walmart seems to be taking the angle that we can't, they don't have the long tail of products that Amazon has because they don't have the marketplace. And it seems to be to me that their play is to pick up, to build a portfolio of these kind of well-respected digitally native brands. And all of those brands need technology. And many of those brands run on Shopify. So you can only go so fast when you're trying to buy up, you know, the bonobos of the world. You buy Shopify, you get access to all of that data and all of those brands that are on the Shopify platform. You could feed the data back in to see what kind of products you want to carry on the shelves at Walmart. And you could see which brands are doing well and reach out to acquire them. I think there would be very quickly, they're going to realize that doing deals, you know, one every couple months, they're just not going to catch Amazon that way. And they're going to say, how can we buy 10,000 of these at once or 100,000 of these at once? And they're going to look at Shopify because Shopify is really the only, if you can't build a marketplace to rival Amazon, Shopify is the decentralized marketplace. And I think Walmart's going to have to own that. Interesting. That's really interesting kind of rational and logic behind it. The, uh, the thing for me that gave me the biggest pause, you know, but uh, maybe I'm wrong because I, I look at, uh, we're just talking about Shopify and Oberlo is the culture fit there. You know, like they've, I know Toby, the founder over there, at least what he said publicly in terms of, he's one of the few startup founders that I feel like he said like, hey, we don't want to sell. We're in this for the long game that I've actually believed just based on what seems like his true passion for the company and how he's led it. So and then the culture difference. I mean, you just, you look at the culture mismatch there, but the, I would have said the same thing about Bonobos too. They seem like totally different uh, cultures, but that, that went through. So that's a, that's an interesting one. I like it. It'll be, that'll, that'd be awesome. It will be super interesting if that, if that panned out. So, yep. Yeah. My counter to that would be a look at the Bonobos culture and they integrated that and the jet culture and integrated that just fine. And B, Regardless of what Toby wants, I love him, fantastic CEO, but they're a public company and he has a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders. So if Walmart comes with a big offer, he'll have to take it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. What's do you have an idea of the I mean you think of valuation, but valuation with tech company says kicked me in the in the rear end, you know, more times than I want to mention on the podcast with you and the Amazon bet as well, just to bring that back up to stroke your ego. So do you have any idea what the the relative market cap is for for Walmart and Shopify? I do not know off the top of my head. That would be easy to look up. I would bet Shopify is not meaningful in compared to Walmart's market cap. Yeah, I bet you're right. Actually, let's look that up really quickly. Yep. So I've looked it up. So Shopify's market cap as of today, Monday, November 12th, is 14 and a half billion. 
Walmart's market cap is 305 billion. So that means Shopify is roughly 5% of <laughs> Walmart's market cap. Now, of course, it makes them five times bigger than Jet, and everybody thought Jet at 3 billion was a huge amount of money. Yeah, but it's, you know, relatively speaking, it's not, you know, definitely doable even though they're, you know, Shopify's got such a crazy valuation. Great. All right, so my third one, this is a bold one as well. I think we're going to see I think we're going to see Volusion either sell or go under this year. And the reason for this is I feel like Volusion has kind of been just kind of at the, the rear of the pack for a long time with big commerce, kind of getting lost behind big commerce, behind especially Shopify. And it just had some news come out this last, you know, this last month or so that, that they have a huge pricing increase that they're putting on merchants and merchants were not happy. And so between the pricing increase, between, you know, some of the reviews people leave in the forums and, and, and things like that, man, I mean, maybe they can hold on for a while longer, but I feel like Volusion's been that company that you just, you know, you're still surprised that they're, that they're still making it work. And so I think this might be the year they either sell or, or close up shop. It might be. I can't, are they even still putting out new versions? I feel like they're just kind of coasting. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this uh, reminds me of when big commerce hiked their prices so dramatically a couple of years ago. And I wonder how they're doing, to be frank. Yeah, I was reading up on this because I thought maybe, you know, they uh, looking into them as well. And, and they there was talk, I don't know how serious it was about an IPO. I think that's maybe one of the reasons a lot of people thought they were kind of juicing some of that pricing. And they raised money this last year, I think potentially to prepare for an IPO or at least the last round before they went, they tried to file to go public. But I looked for any kind of SEC filings for big commerce in terms of, you know, that that preliminary S1 or whatever they call it. It's been too long since my banking days. Couldn't find anything. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they're doing. Yeah. I mean, they could even be in the same same bucket as Volusion. They could. I feel like I feel like BitCommerce is a little bit better shape. There's still we is interesting. We had a, a thread in the forums because uh, there was that big pricing increase at BitCommerce pissed a lot of people off. And then I kind of kicked off a discussion uh, maybe you know a year or so ago in the forums to see if they've improved since then. And there was some mixed reviews with people. So yeah, but totally. I mean, it could could potentially happen. So anyway, that's my third one, Bill. What's your fourth prediction? So my fourth prediction is a double down. So that this is actually my third prediction is a double down from last year, which is that Amazon begins pulling FBA inventory into Whole Foods stores. And I will kind of combine this with another Amazon prediction, which is that Amazon introduces a smart Alexa enabled refrigerator in 2019, which somehow tracks what you've ordered, what you've got and helps you place new orders from Whole Foods. Mm, interesting. For delivery some sort of replenishment in your fridge based on I've drank all my milk, Whole Foods just bring me more. Because they have the infrastructure for it. They've got the voice assistant for it. They've got a bunch of prime members with Whole Foods stores. They're already doing free Whole Foods delivery above 35 bucks. It, they've got all the pieces that no one else has to do the automated grocery replenishment. And I think they're going to start something like that. And along the same lines, you could probably safe bet to say that everyone who does that, their grocery budget and weight goes up 10% across the board. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're getting all your groceries from Whole Foods. Oh yeah. But I mean, but also, you know, it's, yeah, there's no downtime, right? There's no time for you to, you know, lose a couple of pounds in between and just, you just, you just keep on going. So that's an interesting one. They already have an Alexa, Alexa enabled oven that does a bunch of stuff, right? A microwave actually. Microwave. Okay. And I don't know much about it. It seems like, I don't know why I would need that in my microwave, but they, they're really rolling out the Alexa enabled devices very broadly. Now they got one for your car. They've got, they've got a whole family. So I, I could see it in a fridge. Yeah, interesting. 
my fourth prediction here for 2019 is I think we're going to get debate on the floor of Congress. Uh, I don't know if it's going to pass, but I think we're going to have major legislation introduced that gets debated for a national sales tax bill. And the reason I say bold is I think this is going to happen. I'd be shocked if it didn't happen within the next two to three years. I think there's a chance it might take... Us humans are not real great at proactively addressing problems. I think there's a good chance that you know it causes a whole lot of pain and suffering and gnashing of teeth and entrepreneurs you know, wailing at the doorsteps of their representatives to get this, this done. But I'm going to be bold and say we'll get at least some debate on a major bill in Congress for a national sales tax bill by the end of the year. Interesting. Yeah. I, geez, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think everybody that's in e-commerce hopes so. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Bill, what's your next one? So my next one is that Amazon partners with the e-scooter companies ah, for deliveries. Interesting. Now, I don't know who's going to be riding that e-scooter, but Amazon has already launched their Amazon Flex program where you've got, they're helping people set up individual businesses with fleets of vans. Mm-hmm. And particularly in urban settings or even, you know, kind of close in suburban settings. I mean, me personally, as a scooter rider, I use it to go all over the place here in Charlotte and in the South End neighborhood. And you could very conceivably take one of those scooters around and drop packages off. So I could see some sort of partnership with Lime or Bird to deliver Amazon packages via scooter. Interesting. Interesting. One of the things about being in Montana, I, I take off. I haven't traveled anywhere for six months and I, you know, start hitting some major US cities again. And I'm just I like the scooters are everywhere. <laughs> it's crazy. It's amazing how quickly, you know, probably outing myself as someone who's totally out of touch here, but it's amazing how quickly they really took over a lot of the U.S. major cities. Yeah. I and mean, we've got them. Um, we've got hundreds of them here in Charlotte. And Charlotte, while I love it, I would not consider it necessarily a major city. It's not New York or Chicago where it's overrun with scooters. I take them all the time. I commute to, to and from work sometimes via scooter. It's great. It's cool. I, I like that prediction. That'll be an interesting one. Bill, so I'll follow on your delivery one with another delivery related one. In that I think UPS or FedEx is going to start offering Sunday delivery to Amazon customers at at a minimum, you know, slightly more expensive rates or potentially even at normal rates. Because you look at the USPS and you you see those driving around on Sunday and you just peek in through the glass and everything is Amazon branded. And and maybe I'm wrong here. I'd be interested to hear if you got a, a good counter to this, but especially with the two other big ones, UPS and FedEx, just increasingly being dependent on Amazon and, and Amazon building out their own potential shipping infrastructure. I don't know. It seems it surprises me that there aren't, you know, that, that they haven't negotiated this yet. So uh, I'm going to put that as a prediction for this next year. Interesting. I wonder how that will play with Amazon building out their Flex program because I've started to get a few Sunday deliveries via Amazon Flex. Obviously not via any of the carriers, but in areas where they have flex, they can do their own Sundays. So I know they want to do Sundays for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and uh, so in terms of flex, those are just the kind of the independent carriers that Amazon is helping run pretty much their own little de- delivery vehicles, right? Yeah. It's basically like fleets of Ubers that all the, but they're vans and all they do is deliver Amazon packages. So they're independent 1099 people and Amazon pays them per package. And of course, also helps them get a lease for the van and gives them a manual of operating procedures and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I just wonder, another thing that goes into this is 
just the ever increasing expectations, myself included. You know, you got two two day delivery now. When I can't get something uh, two day or overnight, it, you know, it's just like what is how this is so slow. Thinking through, just even watching TV where you see, you know, Target and Walmart, they both are offering two day free shipping on a lot of their stuff. You know, and so in the race to increasingly you know, up that bar, I think that might happen. So my last prediction for 2019 is I think. I'm gonna, and this is going to be kind of a bold one too. Not that I have a great track record for calling uh, peaks, but I'm going to call peak U.S. housing in 2019. I'm going to say Q4 to try to pin me down here. I'm going to say Q4 2019. We're going to see a year-over-year decline in median prices in the U.S. I just, Bill, I don't know about you, Bozeman, where I you know spent so much time is it's exploding. All the major cities I've been to the last year, year and a half are just insane. Charlotte, I know, is going bananas. And there's obviously a lot can change this, but it looks like California is starting to weaken a little bit. Interest rates have been going up. And I don't know that the stock market's starting to see a little bit of volatility. So I don't know. We'll see. But that's, I'm going to throw that out there. So you're predicting peak essentially right now in Q4 2018 that we are at the peak of average or median housing prices nationally kind of blended across urban and rural. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say 2000 I don't know if it's I don't know if we're at the peak this quarter, but my prediction is we'll see at least by next, you know, Q4 2019, we'll see a year over year decline in median seasonally adjusted prices. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, it doesn't seem crazy. I wonder I would expect if that does come true, I would be interested to see how much dispersion there is. You may see cities, I would think particularly some what would be traditionally known as tier two cities like Charlotte and Nashville and Austin, maybe even Atlanta, to perhaps have continued to see increases while you would have perhaps decreases at the top end in the New Yorks, the San Francisco's, the all of California, et cetera. Hmm, interesting. But I, but I mean, you're in Charlotte. Do you feel you've been there for, when did you move back? You've been there for what, three years, four years? Three years. Yep. Since 2015. Three years. I mean, do you feel like there's, you don't, you don't feel like the Charlotte market right now is just kind of bonkers in terms of pricing already? My, I mean, yes, but my house, I bought a house in mid 2017. If you go, if you trust Zillow, but, or even if you just trust the comps, the stuff that's being sold just down the street from me, my house has appreciated 16 to 18% this year. That's just, I mean, and that to me, that, that just seems like more reason why that just, I mean, that can't go on. That's just insane. It feels insane. But I, as I drive around town, there's cranes everywhere. Every, and this, I don't mean this to be a commercial for Charlotte. <laughs> I, I know that there are, there is a similar feeling in some of the other similar markets to Charlotte. Yeah. And to me, that would maybe even, I mean, if you have cranes everywhere, that, 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 to me, that's like a classic sign of a peak. Not always. It could be, I mean, Charlotte's got a lot of good macro things going for it, but yeah, that to me, that, that maybe that doesn't dissuade me, I think, but yeah, who knows? I, I, you know, I mean, there's a peak coming for sure. The question is whether it's next year or not. That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. And again, my history at calling timing the market has been just phenomenal. So no one make any housing decisions on this. This is all for, for fun and entertainment. Yep. Solely. So yep. Bill, well, this, is, this has been fun, man. It'll be fun to circle back next year, you know, see how ridiculous our predictions that sound so reasonable now end up being uh, at the end of 2019. And um, yeah, thanks so much for doing this. Always fun to talk and, and, and speculate and just, uh, yeah, see what the future holds. Of course. So. And we'll do it again for 2020, which feels like the deep future. Oh, dude, <laughs> deep 20, it's, it's, I feel so old. I mean, 2020. Yeah, exactly. It's like we should be in Star Trek, you know, with space travel at this point. Yeah, maybe I'll finally predict flying cars for 2020. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I like it. Well, Bill, this has been fun. Thanks, man. All right, buddy. Good to talk with you. If you're listening to this and you own your own e-commerce business, and chances are probably pretty good that you do if you've gotten this far through the episode, you need to check out our private community for store owners. It's a, a vetted group of over a thousand store owners and experienced professionals. And the reason it's different is, is just like I mentioned, it's vetted. We go through and we require all new members have a seven-figure business. They actually have experience in the space. And we go through and we review all applications to make sure everyone's legit when they come in. And then once everyone gets inside, it's not a free-for-all. We, we moderate in ways where if people are being jerks or you know behaving inappropriately, we toss them out. If people come in and do nothing but ask questions, we toss them out. We really value experience. We value reciprocity. And it's a place where you're going to be able to connect with other store owners to learn what's working, but also make good friends. Like some of my best friends I have met through this community. And I know that others can say that as well. So if you're interested in learning more and applying for membership, you can do that at ecommercefuel.com forward slash form. That's F-O-R-U-M. And of course, I want to give a huge thank you to the two sponsors who make this show possible. First to Liquid Web, who offers the absolute best place to host your WooCommerce store online, a scalable rock solid platform. If you want to learn more about them and how they can supercharge your WooCommerce store, you can do that at ecommercefuel.com forward slash liquid web. And also to the team over at Clavio, who makes email automation incredibly easy and powerful. You can get started for free and test drive their platform at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Clavio. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate your time and you following the podcast and looking forward to catching you again next Friday. Want to connect with and learn from other proven e-commerce entrepreneurs? Join us in the e-commerce fuel private community. It's our tight knit vetted group for store owners with at least a quarter million dollars in annual sales. You can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next time.